0: play that fight song with pride y'all it is border war week i'm justin michael this is the dnvr rams podcast presented by chevalier mortgage something to keep in mind for our homeowners with prices going up it's creating natural equity in your home if you have mortgage insurance chances are you can make that work for you all you got to do is refinance out of that and there's nobody better to do that with than mike and virginia chevalier If you're in the buyer's market, it's stressful trying to buy a house, especially in Colorado, it's absolutely crazy. Let Mike and Virginia Chevalier take some of that stress, just take some of that burden off of your plate. As mortgage brokers, they're able to shop over a dozen different lenders with many different products to find the right fit for you. They want their borrowers to know who they're working with and not feel bounced around. They take the time to help their borrowers be as informed as they want every step of the way. They're proud CSU alum, they're DNVR members, And they actually have a fun perk for DNVR listeners. If you go to dnvrmortgage.com, you can enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat. More importantly, you're going to get set up with a free consultation to discuss all your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. You can also call Mike directly at 970-412-2472. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. All right. Joining me on the DNVR Rams podcast presented by Chevalier Mortgage. We've got friend of the program, Cody Tucker of 7220 Sports. It's been, it's been a frustrating season for both of these teams, just in very different ways. Uh, kind of feel like blown opportunities. Wyoming obviously started 4-0. They're now four and four. You were telling me before we started recording, you could kind of see the signs of it even before the collapse. What, what's what been the biggest problem with Wyoming, especially over this last month?
1: Oh, pretty simple, Justin. Uh, well, first of all, thanks for having me as always. Appreciate it. Uh, but, um, you know, consistency. Uh, the same thing I think CSU is kind of looking for. Uh, consistency has been not inconsistent at best. <laughs> and, um The turnovers, you know, that's where the Cowboys didn't hurt themselves in the beginning. They were a plus seven after week three, and now they're a minus four, uh, including five turnovers against Fresno State, a couple more against New Mexico, a couple more against San Jose State. Just, uh, you know, the stat line wasn't already all that pretty, but once you start adding turnovers and handing them freebies, uh, you know, you're going to lose every time. So uh, I tell you what, man, even going 4-0, and struggling with Montana State, you know, they had a 42-16 lead in the late in the third quarter at, at Northern Illinois. Uh, Northern Illinois takes a two-point lead late in the fourth. I mean, just so inconsistent. And then Yukon battling with them and committing three pass interferences on the last the Huskies' last drive of the game to get them within a two-point conversion. Um, just that's why that for, that loss at Air Force, the 24-14 loss at Air Force, felt like a funeral because those other games, despite being four and zero. And Coach Bull could say until he's blue in the face, hey, we're 4-0, we're 4-0. It, it didn't feel like 4-0. It felt like going 4 in a lot of ways. I mean, they did they did handle Ball State pretty easily, but it felt like 1-3 in a lot of ways. And then to lose to Air Force like that, where they you know, they had five yards of total offense until five minutes left in the first half. I mean, it was just painful. And uh, it had been painful. It had been pulling teeth throughout the first four weeks anyhow. So um, just the turnovers have made those – those, uh, close wins losses now. And, uh, you know, they held Jake Hayner to 96 passing yards. You know, he was the leading crazy. passer yeah. in America and they hold him to 96 yards and they lose 17 to nothing. That's what happens when you give the other team the ball five times. So, uh, turnovers have just been unbelievable over the last few weeks. And then of course that came with a quarterback change and, um, Cowboys finally found some offense at San Jose state last week, but the defense, uh, for, you know, stopped tackling, so it's just consistency on both sides of the ball has just been so hard to find. And I know you guys are dealing with that a lot down there as well. Um, but the problem, Justin is you guys are in year two, arguably year one of Steve Adazio. I mean, let's be real after last year and you yeah, guys you can't really
0: count four games. No.
1: And all the games canceled on you guys and all that. Um, you know, it's really year one of, of of Steve Adazio building a program. This is year eight of Craig Bull where the foundation should be laid and they should be working on the third tier of this mansion. And it's just not happening.
0: Are you surprised that the offense has had these struggles, especially just given Valadie came back? Obviously, he's still rushing for like five and a half yards in attempt. I know Sean Chambers was never like a pure pocket passer or anything, but he was a guy that had won some big time games for the program yeah, and to see them just be so inept offensively is at least a little bit weird to me on the outside.
1: Yeah. Really frustrating. And, you know, you got to put some things into account too. You know, there's a new offensive coordinator, there's a new offensive line coach, and I promise I'm not giving them excuses, but Sean's also been lost three straight years to a leg injury. You're going to feel some ramifications from that, right? I mean, it's just how it works. And, uh, you know, no, I didn't expect him to be this bad. Tim Polisek, the new offensive coordinator, has got a ton of energy. Uh, you know, they're throwing the ball 28 times a game, but they're only connecting on 11 of them and throwing a couple to the other team. So he's really trying to bring a little balance to this. And the weird thing, Justin, is like you mentioned about Xavier on Balladay, it, it, the Cowboys haven't been able to throw the ball very well since Josh Allen left but they could always rely on Xavier on and they could always rely on a power running game. This year has not been that way. It was that way last week against San Jose state in the second half, but once again, consistency, this offensive line has 145 combined starts coming into the season and they were supposed to be the strength of this team. And it just hasn't happened. And, and, you know, that's, what's hard. You, you run a pro style offense, your quarterback has to be your best player, right? Yeah. And, And if he's not, I mean, that's going to put you behind the eight ball immediately. And, you know, and then you think of some crazy things like Isaiah Nair is such a good wide receiver. As bad as this offense has been, he has six touchdowns. And he's probably left six touch- touchdowns on the field. So it's it's just been a weird, weird, bizarre season, Justin. Really weird from start to finish. And a uh, big one this week to try and turn it around. Uh, it, almost have to. I mean, if not, I mean, you could really see the Cowboys possibly losing out.
0: How are you guys injury wise? Like, have they had to plug and play on the offensive line? Can that be a factor at all? Because I, I genuinely thought Wyoming might have the best offensive line in the Mountain West coming in.
1: Maybe America, to be brutally honest, because even their backups could be a really solid, you know, offensive front on another team. Um, No, it's it's two super seniors. It's a All American at center. Um, really good, uh, left guard, and Erica Bojay, who is his trajectory is unbelievable and just, it just hasn't happened. I, I don't know how to explain it, man. I, I really don't. And, and, in asking players and asking offensive linemen specifically, they don't know either. It's just been really bizarre.
0: What is the sense amongst Wyoming fans going into this game? Because obviously <laughs> I think to win, you guys are going to have to run the football. Well, you know, you're going to have to be able to block, but I mean, this is probably the best CSU defensive line since the early 2000s. I mean, it, it really goes back like to the Lubick days where, you know, they had guys like Joey Porter and Clark Higgins. Yeah. CS, I mean, they're legitimately disruptive. They've, they've got yeah. some serious questions in the secondary, but that D line's nasty.
1: Well, I tell you, I was just doing another radio interview and I was talking about CSU's defensive front. I mean, they don't even have to blitz. I mean, those guys are really good and, and they've given the Cowboys fits the last two years. Um, even the, even the last time you guys were in Laramie and Wyoming pulled that off, uh, man, that was more Bobo and some of his unbelievable calls. No, I think, no kidding. You know, than it was that, that defensive front. I texted you yesterday asking about uh, Manny. Um, that dude's legit, and he comes to play when Wyoming's in town. And, uh, you know, he's really good. Patchin's really good. McBride's good. All those guys are really good, and the Cowboys know that. Um what they're gonna have to do, in my opinion, is go up tempo, and that's where they've been good all year. And I know Craig Bull is hesitant to say we're gonna be an up-tempo team and really go, go, go. But that's when the Cowboys came back on a on a you know two-minute drive to beat Montana State and came back against Northern Illinois and Yukon and last week at San Jose State. They were at the one yard. Second line.
0: half, yeah. I mean, they were yeah. moving the ball, they're running yeah. it well.
1: They were going quick and they were running really effective. That gives the defense no time to substitute and it the pass rush is non-existent. And that's to me what you have to do against Colorado State. I mean, their front four is awesome. So you gotta you know limit those cats.
0: The thing where that really helped CSU and they they did struggle with Boise State's tempo a little bit in the second half and I think they were just kind of gassed after basically being on the field the entire third quarter. but yeah, the linebackers too, man, like Dequan Jackson, and Cameron Carter have been really good, yep. and I, that's probably really on both of these teams the position groups. Like I'm most excited to watch because you already know I'm a big Chad Muma guy. He won me over at at media days. He's having a great year.
1: Don't tell Daquan, anybody, but but McBride did the same to me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was it was fun though because it, it was cool to like get to spend time with Validay and Muma in that setting, and, and same with DeQuan and Trey. Yeah, and they just let their guards down and. Obviously, Mumma got recruited by CSU. Trey got recruited by Wyoming, and, and different realities. These guys could be lining up on the other sides of the field for each right. other, which would which would be weird to, to listen to. I'm curious yeah. though: are they ready for Trey McBride? Because obviously, he's a guy that kind of took their lunch money last year.
1: The last two years, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's a really good ball player. And uh, to me, Justin Trey's going to get his, but you got to keep him between the twenties, right? I mean. Let him make all the hay he wants. And I saw that Trey's only scored one touchdown this year, which was kind of so
0: frustrating. It makes no sense at all.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and also, was I seeing that he has forty-five more catches than Dante Wright and like five hundred more yards than Dante Wright?
0: And I know Wright missed. Yeah, he missed. You know, most of the season at this point. But But yeah, I mean, he
1: leading pass catcher by that many. That's incredible. I mean, the guy is he's an animal, and he's an animal in the in the blocking game too. I mean, he's just really good. It, it, to me, if you're a Wyoming coach, you got to say, all right, McBride's going to get his, but try and limit that on third down and try and keep it between the 20s.
0: I think that's going to be a big factor in general is CSU, they they can drive between the 20s like no other. I mean, they look they look like Boise State a couple of years back between the 20s, the way they stretch the field. The passing game's been great the last month. Typically, the running game's been solid under David Bailey. And, the, and then they get to the red zone and they look like a completely different team. The fans are really frustrated. They want more red zone targets for Trey. It's obviously not always quite that simple because defenses are going to double them in the red zone anytime you can in this condensed field. You can't force it. But I mean, CSU has three other tight ends that are really talented as well. Right. And I just, I don't know how they can't get these guys involved in the red zone. Two weeks in a row, they've had a tight end catch a 30-yard touchdown on a seam route. Right. Like, I, what are we doing here? Well, and correct me
1: if I'm wrong, they're 100% in the red zone this year, right?
0: Close to it. If not, I think it's like upper 90s.
1: But just a ton of field goals.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And you know what's kind of scary is last year, if you remember, which was obviously just a weird, bizarre game in that empty stadium. uh, But, you know, they obviously they focused on Trey and that didn't work. But uh, Dante Wright went nuts. Um, So... CSU's got a couple of cats that can really stretch you, but with Wyoming, I will say they have the number three passing defense in the country. Um, like I said, Jay Kaner, uh, they held him in check all day long. Nobody has really thrown on the Cowboys at all this year, uh, but the and Duck stuff works. The Trey McBride stuff could work, and Derek Deese, uh, he did the Cowboys some favors last week in San Jose because he dropped probably five, six balls, but he still led the team with like six catches for 85 yards
0: who should CSU fans be aware of on the Wyoming defense outside of Muma? Cause obviously he's kind of doing his thing right now. got like 77 tackles or whatever it is. A couple of interceptions dudes yeah. balling out.
1: The guy's incredible. He really is. Uh, he's getting a lot of comparisons to Logan Wilson right now and rightfully so. Um, and Logan Wilson's obviously leading the Cincinnati Bengals in tackles right now as well. So, um, you know, there's a lot of guys on that defense that are really good. Cole Godbout really plugs things up at the defensive tackle position. Garrett Kral can, and Solomon bird can, really get around the edge. Although, uh, offenses have really, uh, they've really made it tough on those guys because they're getting rid of the ball quickly and they're not, uh, you know, there hasn't been that big sack, you know, that big blind side sack this year. Um, also CJ Colton and his easy have just been really, really good at the cornerback spots. And I think last week, uh, Sayus Gandhi, kid from Aurora there, he's a, he's a safety and, He's a really good sure tackler. They lost him early in that game with a stinger. And I think that really made a big difference because Nick Nash started running all over the Cowboys and they started picking up chunks. And you like to believe that if Sia's Gandy's out there, that ain't happened.
0: I'm glad you brought that up. Cause that was actually something I wrote down in my notes when I was watching that game was that could be an area Todd Centeno could exploit because he yeah. is a guy who's been effective in the run game. He's, Not like Tebow size, but he's a thick dude and he runs hard. He's hard to bring down.
1: And he has a nose ring.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he does have the nose ring.
1: (laughs) Very Colorado of you, Todd.
0: I don't know if uh, I don't know if it would fit in in Laramie, but uh, no. I'm sure it, it does okay for him with the ladies in Fort Collins. <laughs> I can't throw shade. In another life, or not even another life, in this life, when I was 19, I had a nose ring, so oh. the ladies liked it though. So I, oh, I'm not yeah. gonna I'm not gonna defend myself. I did okay. <laughs> Work for you, my man. <laughs> what is the because you know coming into this season, I asked you like what is Craig Bull's status in Laramie? And and you basically said he can kind of do no wrong. Like he's approaching that, you know, maybe they'll build him a statue territory someday. <laughs> but when you look at like the wins losses, I mean, it's kind of close to 500 and under. I, it, and now like, you know, especially with the way this season is played. I mean, is there, is there any desire to make a change?
1: Um, I think you're hearing a lot of desire for the first time from the fan base, uh, but no, uh, he's not going anywhere. I think uh, you can put the, the halt on that construction job for a statue, however, um, <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, it just kind of shows you where Wyoming was. They weren't consistently going to bowl games under Joe Glenn and Dave Christensen and, uh, certainly not under Vic Koenig. They weren't even winning uh, two games a year, or three games a year. Um, So it just kind of he's got him consistently going to bowl games. And let's be real, it's easier to go to a bowl now than it ever has been in the history of the sport. Um, So that's not saying a ton. And then, of course, you got Josh Allen and what he's been able to do. And and believe it or not, there's 14 guys in the NFL right now on active rosters that, you know, a lot of those guys were Craig Bowl guys. So, um, you know, he's he's not going anywhere. And that's for a number of reasons. One, you know what a lot of fans are pointing toward. He's the highest paid coach in the Mountain West. Um, you're not paying that to go away. We, you know we don't we don't have that kind of money. They yeah, they don't have the budget. Yeah, not doing that. And, and second of all, you know he's done enough. He's not. You know he at Wyoming. You'll talk to any Wyoming fan, and they're gun shy about coaches leaving because this has been such a stepping stone program for so many years. Here we got a guy who is going to retire at Wyoming. He, you know, we find if if he's the if he's on the sideline next year, Justin. He's tied for the longest tenured head coach in Wyoming history at nine years. So, you know, we've always looked at that, like, with you guys and Sonny and and Air Force with Fisher. um, And now Calhoun. Yeah, and Calhoun. I mean, what, Air Force has had, what, five coaches in their history? I mean, something like that, something crazy. But there's something to be said for it. It's kind of like Mike Tomlin and the Steelers. They've had, what, three coaches in their history in Pittsburgh? You're going to have some ups and downs, but the ups are going to be a hell of a lot better and and more often than the downs. And right now, and of course, we're in a, what have you done for me lately era? And I don't think Craig's going anywhere. I don't think he should go anywhere, but he needs to adapt, you know, and he talks a lot about Tom Osborne being his mentor at Nebraska and all that. Tom Osborne's old school. I, I don't know that Tom Osborne could even recruit anybody anymore. You know what I mean? With the way he, he ran things and Craig needs to, he talks about it a lot that he takes looks at himself in the mirror. You know, he really needs to do that again. And this is a new day and age. These are new kids. These are new kids that are have a new way of thinking, yelling, screaming. And I'm not trying to make him sound like Bobby Knight. Don't get me wrong, but that, that stuff's dead. It's gone. You got to be more of a player's coach. And once again, I'm not saying he's not a player's coach either, but you need to be more of like approachable and, you know, be more friendly in a lot of ways, I think. And these guys love playing for him, but you talked to some who said, no, I didn't like playing for him because he was too tough.
0: I mean, I think CSU is going to have to deal with that to an extent to, you know, personality wise, I would say, Steve Adazio and, and Craig are similar. They're not exactly the same. Um Steve can be personal and so can Craig like when he wants yeah. to be. You know, they can turn up the charm. It's just one of those things where they are old school. They're from a different generation. I do think that they recognize the game is changing, but sometimes that's easier said than done when yeah. you know, for 20, 30 years, this is the way that you've done it. My thing, my advice if there are any Wyoming fans listening right now, and I hope there are, the the grass is rarely greener when it comes to these types of situations. And I feel like TCU is about to find that out the hard way with Gary Patterson. I mean, them in Texas tech, their absurd expectations just make no sense to me. Like you're not going to out recruit A&M. You're not going to out recruit Texas. Be happy with eight wins a year.
1: Think about Gary Patterson, dude. He, you know, TCU was homeless. They were in the conference USA, (laughs) They were in the Mountain West. They were in the WAC. Look at where he brought that program. And I covered a Wyoming game down there when they were in the Mountain West. That stadium was an absolute dump. And now it's a palace. He has done so much for that program. It's unbelievable. And the fact that he's out effective immediately is just, it's mind-boggling.
0: I do wonder... If they were kind of like, Gary, we're going to let you go at the end of the season. And he kind of was like, you know, take this job and shove it. Then I'm, if you're going to treat me like this. I'm out. Figure yeah. it out, which well, I wouldn't good, blame him.
1: Yeah. Maybe the grass is greener. If Gary Patterson wants to move to Wyoming, <laughs> <laughs> I would take him in a heartbeat.
0: Now, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up.
1: It will. It will. And, you know, he's obviously not afraid of any job. That TCU job was not exactly sexy. And uh, oh. he made it. He made it that way. Um but, no, Craig Bull is not going anywhere, and I don't think he should go anywhere. Um, you know, it's easy to jump off a cliff right now, a four-game losing skid and not exactly the most dominating four-game winning streak in a with a terrible non-conference schedule for the most part. But he's not going anywhere. He's done enough, and, honestly, they're not losing a lot, uh, barring the transfer portal, of course. They're not losing a lot on paper, um, and they're they're going to retain a lot of really good guys. You just wonder if Chad Mumma is maybe going to go to the NFL and you wonder if Xavier Valadie with the short life of uh, running backs in the NFL maybe dips his toes as well. So other than that, though, they're bringing back a ton of players next year.
0: I would say Muma's probably gone, just my guess, based on the type of production he's putting up. That I think that's hard to replicate, and you can have so much yeah. go wrong from an injury standpoint. But you never know, though, because, I mean, if if you would have talked to me at this time last year, I'd have been like, Trey McBride's a 1,000% gone. Why would he sure. come back? And sure. he came back, so you, yeah. you never know. When well, Chad was
1: such a program guy that you wonder too if maybe he is one of those guys like Josh Allen. His last pass was an interception in the point setable against BYU. And he that was a big part of why he came back to Wyoming. He wasn't going to end on that note. And he came back for another year and did what he had to do. And maybe Chad's the same way and says, I'm not leaving the program like this.
0: Well, especially if they, you know, let's say CSU wins and they lose out or something like that. Like, I think it'd be hard for a guy like Muma to walk away on that note. I I definitely agree with you there. Yeah. Just kind of bringing it back around to the offense. How much does it change with Levi Williams versus Sean Chambers? Like, have you noticed a distinct difference in play calling? I mean, he's clearly a better thrower of the football.
1: Um, it's been such a sample size, to be honest with you. I don't know. Um, Levi can throw the ball. He's also a really underrated runner. I I mean, you saw it firsthand. Yeah, he can move. Yeah, yeah, his first ever game was against CSU and Laramie. And uh, he drugged half the defense down the field there at the end and almost scored a touchdown. So he's a big, powerful guy, too, in the running game. Um, I I just think it's so early. Uh, He did throw a couple touchdown passes last week. Isaiah Nair is just a really incredible wide receiver, and he needs 100% more targets in my opinion, and so do the tight ends because, you know, the Cowboys don't have a Trey McBride maybe on their on their roster, but Trey Welch is pretty damn good. So uh, getting him the ball a lot more would behoove them for sure. But uh, I don't know. I like Levi. The thing is uh, Levi's had three healthy starts in his career. Uh, one was in the Arizona Bowl, his first ever start, and he put it on Georgia State pretty good. His other one was coming in last year and starting the Hawaii game, game, game two after Sean got hurt in game one. And then he was hurt in that game, had a pretty much played all last year with a separated right shoulder. Um, and the fact that he threw for 300 plus yards against Colorado State um, is phenomenal because it was pure adrenaline. Uh, but that that eventually came around and got him. So this start at San Jose State was his third career fully healthy start. And uh, you got to give him some time. He's a kid. I mean, he's still t- technically in the books. He's still a redshirt freshman. So. Uh, got to give him some time and see what he can do. I mean, you got to see what you got, right? I think they know what they have in Sean Chambers and Sean had the winning. It wasn't pretty, but he was winning and he never turned the ball over. Now he's adding turnovers and losses to his stat line. And if you're doing that, you know, you just can't, you can't have that.
0: Were you surprised it took them as long as they did to ultimately make that quarterback change? Because it, yeah, there were yeah, some I, comments, I think, before the San Jose State game with Levi Williams, where he was like, I'm going to have to, you know, reevaluate things or whatever. You know, is this even an open competition?
1: Right. No, and he, that was that was an answer to one of my questions. Um, I didn't know if he felt like he was getting a fair shake at this thing, but I thought it was even a detriment to Sean to leave him in for five turnovers, four turnovers against uh, four of those were his against Fresno State, and you know Fresno's his hometown, and, and he just was not in a groove all day long, and I thought it was a real detriment to him to even keep him in that ball game, and then to bring him in cold against New Mexico in the fourth quarter, just. It just isn't working, and you know at this point it's got to be upstairs, right? It's got to be in your head. Uh, it's you know things just are not working, and and it's tough because he's such a great kid and he's such a great leader, and the guys love him and the coaches love him, and I think the coaches love him so much that it was to his detriment that they left him in that game because they want to believe that Sean's the guy. But now you got to find out who is the guy, and and your feelings have to take a side, have to you know have to step aside, unfortunately, in this game.
0: I think CSC was kind of in a similar situation in the 2020 opener against Fresno State. It was clear, like, Adazio really likes Todd Senteo, and that's been clear since day one. And he got that start against Fresno State, and things didn't go all that well. And then they put Patrick O'Brien in cold late in the fourth quarter, and you could see the look on his face was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, you're going to throw me in this now when we're down three scores? Like And and that's a tough place to be at as a quarterback I, I was a little surprised it took him that long. I, I get that Sean Chambers had the winning resume and like the dude's been so tough. He's, he's a fun guy to root for and all that, but oh. it's just clear that the offense wasn't working. I mean, it was so stagnant and mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I find Wyoming to be a much more dangerous team with Levi Williams. I know they lost that game against San Jose State, but I don't think it was really on him. Yeah,
1: I mean the turnover's definitely hurt. That gave them the six points that it took to win, but it wasn't on him. They gave up uh they they gave up they didn't tackle. They didn't tackle well and there was also so many, you know, running the ball into the pile on first down. They did that, you know, over and over and over again and and just that's CSC where they really know
0: all about that one, especially yeah. in the red zone.
1: And they're just they're losing the second down battle so badly. They're not picking up they're not making hay on second down. And then uh, it's third and long. And if you can't throw the ball with consistency, forget it. You might as well just bring the punter out on third down. I mean, that's how <laughs> that's how it's been.
0: All right, we will get right back to that interview in just a second. But NFL fans hungry for a big win this week. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. If they win, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. DraftKings customers can also get some skin in the game with the same game Parlay, which allows you to combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe and secure and reliable, so you can always deposit and withdraw your money whenever you want. Download the top-rated app now, use the promo code DNVR, bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and if they win, you win $200 in free bets. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Make sure you use that code DNVR must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Speaking of DraftKings, it's a perfect time to give you my DraftKings pick of the week, and I am going with the Oregon Ducks to cover the 7-point spread against Washington. Oregon, I mean, they lost CJ Ferdell, and obviously, you know, you worry a little bit about what that defense gave up to see you late in that game last week but I just think they're a much more talented team. Don't really trust Washington at all. Surprised that the spread is even this close. I know that it's a rivalry game, so maybe they're putting some respect there, but I just really feel like Oregon is significantly more talented, and because of that, I feel pretty comfortable that they're going to win by a touchdown now. Obviously, you could get backdoored. Would have loved to have seen it at, like, minus five or something like that, but again... I'm I'm surprised that this spread is even as close it is as it is, excuse me. So I really think that they, they do it with ease and that's why it's my DraftKings pick of the week, looking to win for the fourth week in a row. So hopefully we stay hot. Finally, I want to shout out Solace Meds. They are the premier Colorado dispensary. They're always hooking it up. Seriously, their deals are they're just always crazy. They have four convenient Colorado locations, one in Fort Collins, one in Wheat Ridge, one off Broadway. One just blocks away on East Colfax from the DNVR bar. So, whether you're up north, whether you're in the metro area, if you are looking for an easy cannabis shopping experience, I cannot recommend Solace Meds enough. If you use the code DNVR, or DNVR20, excuse me, you're going to save 20% on your entire purchase. On top of that, you're going to get a free Solace Bar or King Cone. A Solace Bar is an edible, and a King Cone is one of the biggest pre rolls on the market. So not only are you saving money, you're getting hooked up with some free swag. Again, make sure you use that code DNVR20. Just go to solacemeds.com. You can order online, pick up at your convenience. Again, Solace Meds truly makes your cannabis shopping experience a delight. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here, and then I, I want to ask you just kind of just a couple brief like border war history stuff because you and I. We're we're in the rare breed where we watch this game every single year and can we really think about it, can like start naming plays from specific years and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Do you feel like right now Wyoming is going to be a bowl team when it's all said and done? Wow. Good
1: question. Um, it all starts this week, and nothing I hate hearing from coaches more than we need to go one and this week, but they need to go one and this week. I mean I I hate that more than anything, and I can't believe I even said that. But, I mean, it's true. It's absolutely true because Wyoming has to go to Boise the next week and then to Utah State, and then they come home for Hawaii. Um, Tell me which game is winnable on the road, in Logan or in in Boise. I mean, and if there's any time to beat Boise, it's this year. And, uh, you you know, you kind of had those games circled at the beginning of the year as this could be for all the marbles. And now you feel like if they lose to Colorado State, the sting of losing that game and making it a five-game losing streak uh, might be insurmountable.
0: Well, I think I think that's what happened with CSU in 2017, right? They had all these expectations to play for a Mountain West championship. They kind of get punched in the teeth by Air Force and they're like, all right, like, you know, CSU t- tends to lose to Air Force. It is what it is. They blow that game against Wyoming, the Josh Allen game up in the snow, which is one of the more painful border war losses for me. And then you could just, you felt the air go out. You know, they, they blew the Boise State game the next week. They still ended up beating New Mexico or San Jose State or somebody at home in the season finale. And then they lost to a Marshall team that just wanted it more than them. And mm-hmm. I do believe, like, when the losses start piling up, especially when they become rivalry losses and you have injuries and everything else, it's just easy to lose a season real fast. And I kind of think both of these teams are in that same position. You know, CSU, they've lost two in a row. They had a lead in the mountain division. Now you're just hoping to go three and one and, and go to a bowl game, but you know, they got to go to Hawaii, which is never an easy place to win. Got a host air force. who's looked awesome. Nevada looks like one of the best teams in the conference. So like going three and one is probably, probably a long shot, not impossible, but probably a long shot.
1: So you guys are probably looking at Wyoming the same way. We're kind of looking at you is like, this is winnable and it's a must yeah. win. You, in you a lot have of to. Yeah. Have to. It's a must. Absolutely. I keep thinking back just into 2005, and it wasn't the CSU game, but it was uh, Wyoming started that year by playing Tim Tebow and them down in Florida, and they played really well. And then they went on the road and beat Ole Miss. They went on the road and beat Air Force. They beat somebody else at home. Then TCU came to town, and Wyoming turned the ball over seven times and still only lost by seven. The longest drive for TCU all day long was 19 yards. Uh, that's how many turnovers there were and how many bad spots they turned the ball over. They couldn't recover from that and they lost every game from then on out.
0: Oh just CSU brutal. had one of those 0-7, and you know, Sonny's last season was kind of like that. They actually closed out and beat Wyoming in his last game, which is I one remember, of my favorite yeah. border war memories. Um, just he had to go out on a positive note, you know, after after everything that had happened. It I'm glad that he at least got to have that. But 2011 Steve Fairchild's final year at CSU. They start 3 and 1 and then lose 9 straight, including just getting punched in the teeth by Wyoming in the finale.
1: And that was a Wyoming team that won 3 games all year and they yeah. beat them 44 to nothing in Laramie.
0: It, it's that's I think the most painful Wyoming loss just because it was like man, where is this program Wyoming. right now? Like yeah. it's so far removed from sunny obviously McElwain came in and and turned things around quickly, but uh, on that kind of tune, what is your favorite border war memory or or memories? And then, you know, kind of what's the worst for you?
1: Oh man. Um, obviously there's been some really great ones. I'm, I'm a little older than you, probably a lot older than you. I'm 38, but, uh, and I've probably been in person to 32, 33 of these things. Um, we can start with the worst one, which is, Really easily the worst one. Every time you lose to CSU is miserable. But 1994, how old were you in 1994?
0: I, I wasn't even born yet. I was 95. <laughs> so you were minus one years old. Yeah, minus one. <laughs> I know this story though.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like 11 years old at the time. And um, just Wyoming's trucking them. I mean, just kicking their ass. And then they pull off a fake punt, and the momentum is completely on csu side. People start coming out of the crowd. We go out to our bus after the game. They're rocking our bus. I mean, that was my first ever game at Hughes Stadium. And, man, the hatred was so real. (laughs) I I felt pure psychotic hatred for anything CSU. Anytime I saw that logo, I wanted to punch whoever was behind it. And uh, I got into it, even as an 11-year-old, got into a little scrap in the stands with another kid my age. And uh, mom kind of let it go. (laughs) I went with my mom to that game. And uh, that was just, that was painful as hell. Uh, National TV, both teams were good, um, but they stormed back. I want to say they stormed back and scored like 24 unanswered or something like that. It was absolutely miserable. But one of my low-key, you know, you can obviously point to the favorite ones, like 96, two years later, Wyoming won 25 to twenty four. Obviously, one of the
0: painful ones for CSU. Yeah,
1: 96-yard drive with eight minutes to go. Marcus Brigham punched it in from five out. That was huge. Um, And Wyoming jumped out to a 13-0 lead in that game, and then CSU scored 24 unanswered. So, um, really crazy game. It was snowy and cold and miserable down in Fort Collins, but that was a big one. And then two years after that, in 1998, Jay Stoner and Wendell Montgomery and crew went down and uh, beat CSU on ESPN at night. And I believe that was a Thursday night game, and the cannon smoke wouldn't leave the stadium, so it was smoky the entire game and muddy and miserable, and Wyoming really took it to them. but my low-key favorite game in, ever in this rivalry was in 2003, uh, Bradley Van Pelt. That CSU team was really good. Wyoming was on a four-game losing skid in the in the series, and Wyoming just – they were the little engine that could that day, man. Joe Glenn was in his first year, and uh, they ended up pulling it off 35-28. And one of my favorite memories was Malcolm Floyd jumping over and catching a ball over Ben Stratton, that dirty turncoat from Cheyenne and uh, scoring a touchdown to win it, and the snow started coming down, and it was just uh, one of those perfect memories. The Cowboys only won four games that year, but we knew they were building, and it was the first year under Joe, and and and, and CSU had put it on them hard the, the four years before that. Uh, I remember one time in, in Fort Collins, some Wyoming fans snuck into Hughes Stadium and put some stuff on the field that said, go Y.O. or whatever like that, and I thought, oh, man, that's awesome, but then I thought, oh, man, CSU is so much better now. They're going to be really pissed, and uh, <laughs> yeah, they they kicked Wyoming's ass pretty good that day. But uh, just fun, man. This this rivalry is fun as hell. I think about it three sixty five. I don't know if you do, but I think about it three sixty five absolutely. And I do have a couple of good CSU friends like you and my buddy Kevin Keefe, and and uh, so we keep it going all year. and And the thing is, I think we can always agree on uh, is. This game needs to start mattering more as far as... Oh, absolutely.
0: And not, not in the way it matters this year where it's like right. the other team's season falls apart. It needs to yeah. be Champions. a game that's determining who's going to the Mountain West Championship. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, I was always jealous of Utah and BYU. They were always playing for a title, you know, early in the 2000s. And, you know, I always thought, man, that needs to be Wyoming and CSU. This needs to be the last game of the year every year. And it needs to be for all the marbles way more than it is.
0: I know that travel can get tricky if they were to put it the last game of the year. Obviously, just especially in Wyoming, you know, it can be hard. And I think they want to really push ticket sales, which is my guess on why it's not. But Mike Bobo said the same thing. He's like, why is this game not played on Rivalry Week? It's the longest continuous rivalry west of the Mississippi River. And it gets treated by the Mountain West like it's just a week three conference game.
1: I know It, it does. And you know what? Maybe on the flip side, Justin, these games haven't mattered enough. That's a good point. If they mattered point. enough, maybe they wouldn't move it to the end, and they should. And these games do; they need to matter more. And it's been—it's it, kind of like I'm a Phillies fan in baseball, and occasionally the Mets and Phillies are good at the same time, and the hatred is just so real and so good. But then half the time, one's in last place, one's in first place, and you still hate them, and you still want to win those games, but it's not on the line, you know.
0: It's just the the magnitude's not there. And you, (laughs) you brought up that oh three season and I started thinking back CSU. They started that year ranked number 23 after a really good 2002 season. They ended up losing week one to Colorado by a touchdown that year. They lost to Utah by a touchdown. They lost to Wyoming by a touchdown and then they ended up losing their bowl game and that's how the, the BVP era came to an end and a young Justin Michael was extremely pissed off (laughs) for a long time.
1: (laughs) Well, I was pissed off, too, because the Broncos took Bradley Van Pelt. I was really pissed off about that.
0: I got a BVP jersey in the closet. (laughs) I'm going to break out at mile high at some point this year.
1: Can we talk about how disgusting it is still that the Broncos didn't take Josh
0: Allen? Or Lamar Jackson, for that matter. They were both still on the board. But yeah, I mean, it's they could have Shaq Barrett and Josh Allen leading their respective teams. And instead, Shaq's already got a ring. And Josh Allen appears to be well on his way to winning one or a couple. I mean, you never know in the NFL, things can get weird, but that Bill's team is a lot of fun to watch. I'm just glad he's, I'm glad he's not playing CSU anymore because I can root for him and have fun (laughs) watching him. That 2017 game, dude, where he just single-handedly put Wyoming on his back. I think a tight end made like a crazy diving catch or something, but it was mostly just Josh Allen doing Josh Allen things in the snow.
1: Yeah, that was Drew Drew Van Man in the fullback from Colorado making that catch. Oh, oh.
0: Of course he was.
1: <laughs> well, and honestly, I don't know if you remember this one, Justin, in 2016, the year before the last game ever at Hughes Stadium, CSU was up in that game I want to say 17 to 3, and Josh and Tanner Gentry, another Colorado kid, really took it over and they blasted CSU after they got off to that hot lead and and they ended up
0: winning by it. like multiple scores.
1: Yeah, that's how they closed out Hughes Stadium. Yeah, never forget that one. That was my last game before I went and covered Michigan State. So last chance to have fun and raise hell and be a fan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> CSU fans hate that 2016 game because that's when they came out in normal uniforms and they switched to gray uniforms, right. which is about one of the cheesiest fucking things I've ever <laughs> seen in my life.
1: <laughs> what are they going to wear this weekend? Aren't they really bad with the bone helmets on the road?
0: Yeah, dude, they've never won in the all white So I, anything but that they they're like three in one when they wear green pants with the white jerseys and the white helmets. I personally just stick to your identity. Like I, when the, all of this started, I was like, awesome. Like CSU is finally getting with the times. And now it's to a point where it's like, they wear green and gold once or twice a year. Yeah. And I hate it. Like, I, I know that I sound like an old man right now, but when CSU was at their best, they had a green Jersey and they had a white Jersey. You know, Alabama doesn't get cute. They kick the crap out of you wearing their red jersey or their white jersey. Yep. I would like to have an identity before we start worrying about everything else.
1: Yeah, that sounds like Craig at T. I couldn't believe when Wyoming came out in gold jerseys to start this year. That just doesn't happen with him. He doesn't let them put names on the back or nothing.
0: Those were nice. I liked them.
1: Yeah, I could see him busting those out again on Saturday. I'm not. I have no idea if they're going to, but I could see that.
0: I'll be interested. I. Rivalry games especially, I feel like teams should be wearing their traditional colors. The only yeah. thing I would be okay with is if CSU wore their state pride ones because it'd be kind of cool to like wear the Colorado helmet in a border war.
1: On the road, yeah. Well, when yeah. Wyoming did that with the state flag inside the buck and horse down in Fort Collins. Um, something I would love, Justin, I love Colorado State's old, old uniforms that were actually green and yellow you know, yeah, like the 80s ones. Yeah. If they wore those and then Wyoming wore the brown helmets and the same things they wore back in those days for a throwback that'd game, that'd be so sweet.
0: That'd be really fun. Well, it Cody, it's always good to catch up with you, man. I'm looking forward to See seeing you, you on Saturday. Thank you for previewing this game with me. Absolutely. Make sure you guys go follow 7220 Sports on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh follow Cody at Cody Tucker7220 on Twitter. He does great work, legitimately. And it's just one of those deals like Yes, we all hate each other, but still, the Mountain West has to stick together. I mean, we're still getting boxed out by the damn AAC, so we, we got to stick together a little bit.
1: Justin, should I say thank you and send the thank you card to you for uh, CSU not bolting for the AAC? I,
0: I, like, I would like to think that my input was heard because that was the <laughs> dumbest, and I know that a lot of the coaches at CSU adamantly opposed it and went to the president and were like, what are we doing? We're going to lose all our rivals. We're going to lose all our recruiting ground, all our identity to play South Florida. Like who cares?
1: Bonehead move. I'm so glad that cooler heads prevailed. And, you know, I'm still glad Air Force is hanging around too. That's a really good game for both of us. Uh, Really, you know, playing the team on the front range like that. I know Air Force is a pain in the ass and you and I probably feel the exact same way about them, but I I do love that game. I love that game and I'm glad it's sticking around.
0: Even, even places like Albuquerque and stuff, like Wyoming, CSU, New Mexico, these are schools that have been together for decades. Yeah. And there's a shared respect there, and you have the best interest of each other in mind. Like Ultimately, I, I it would have been a travesty if CSU Wyoming was not an annual thing because they're not conference games anymore. I mean, obviously, they could have tried to work it out, but I wouldn't have blamed Wyoming if they would have been like, you want to know what? We're not going to schedule you then. And it sucks well, this happens, but this is your fault.
1: Well, and think about it too, Justin. I hate thinking from the money standpoint, but you're taking a non-conference money game away from yourself, and especially you guys, because you got you theoretically want to play CU every year too. So you're kind of taking some money games, you know, instead of going to Alabama. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, or going to play at Clemson, or you know, something like that. I mean, that's a lot of money for these programs that would be gone because you'd only have two games to play with.
0: Ultimately, I would love to see you know CSU and Wyoming break into like the big 12 someday. I don't know if it's going to happen. Who knows? I I would say doubtful. I think it's wishful thinking at best, but, but at least see? the, at least the mountain West is sticking together right now. Like they didn't lose the top dogs. Who knows what will happen down the line, but this is the best G five conference. Like, yeah, I still think it's better than the AAC now, even with them having Cincinnati and UCF still.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, Fresno state and San Diego state are really good teams and, To me, that'll be the first domino to fall, unfortunately. It'll be San Diego State with their brand new on-campus stadium and how they have it going on in football and basketball. I mean, they're really attractive. The only hard part for them is I doubt the Pac-12 wants them. And, uh, you know, so where do they go? But I'm sure somebody wouldn't mind San Diego.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The weird thing is they have, like, no support for their football program. And it makes no sense to me because they win nine games a year. I know. They're really
1: good. That could change though with a forty thousand seat stadium on campus instead of that big cavernous thing they were playing in. I think that's really going to help them. You know, especially on campus, those kids—they have a ton of kids on campus. So I, I, I really think they're a sleeping giant. I thought they were a sleeping giant forever, and I kind of thought UNLV maybe one day would be that sleeping giant. But boy, are they a mess!
0: You would think. I mean, especially with like basketball and all the connections they have to Team USA, and you know, Thomas and Mack is a great arena. I love. Yeah. I love when it's rocking, especially it's, it's fun because it's large, but it f- still has the small feel to it. Yep. I football wise. I they have a pretty decent prep scene as well. Like a lot of talent comes out of the region. I don't know. I'll, I'll be interested to see how long of Alicia Royo has, especially if they don't win any games this year.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. And Arroyo used to be in Laramie, so got to know him pretty well. But, uh, yeah, you know, I definitely – I pull for those guys. I mean, that's got to be painful as hell. And they've had some teams on the ropes, too, and just can't get it finished.
0: Yeah, they, they've been one of the most unlucky teams in the country. Um, it'll in be the most
1: unlucky city in the country. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it makes sense, right? That's where everybody yeah. goes to lose. The Rebels yeah. are doing the same thing. <laughs> Anyways, Cody – Thanks for coming on, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about the season with you and you yep. know the playoff and how all this stuff shakes out. It's, it's always fun to be a college football fan. At the end of the day, yep. neither of these seasons are going how we wanted, but thank yep. God they're playing, man, because last year was just a nightmare.
1: I like the perspective, my friend. I like it.